You want your five-star matches? You want your 30-minute classics? Not me. Big meaty men slapping me. What is good, ladies and gentlemen? This is the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, Randall Beatley. So let's uh, get down to it. What is this episode? This is an intro, you know, the pilot episode. Um, it's the intro. We're going to introduce me, who I am as a host, who I am as a wrestling fan, what I like in wrestling, what I don't like in wrestling. We'll uh, go over the name of the podcast because I'm sure people are trying to figure out where the hell did I pull this out of? Why did I create a podcast named Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast? Because I'm, I, you know, I'm assuming y'all are probably wondering this stuff. We'll go over the name and um, and uh, then we'll we'll make the first episode. We'll end it by reviewing Money in the Bank. Um, and, and, and the pay-per-view that happened on July the 2nd. I am recording this episode on July the 3rd. It is the official debut of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. I hope to grow this thing, um, as big as it could possibly get. Um, so let's, let's, uh, let's dive on in. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about on the podcast um, as an overall theme, it's just going to be, you know, my thoughts on wrestling. Um, whether it, you know, things I like, things I don't like. Um, you know, we'll do some prediction shows, some review shows of different pay-per-views. We may even go into just doing entire discussions of, you know, my top five in this category or whatever. Things like that. Um, and so... This first episode, though, is just sort of to give you a general overview of, you know, who I am as a person, as a wrestling fan, and 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 where I'm coming from. That way, you know, you can always reference this when you try to figure out my style as a wrestling fan. So, first off, the name, Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. Well, if you can't tell by the intro, this is literally just a podcast name from a big e uh review or pod he did his own podcast during the pandemic era and uh it's a literal quote from biggie big sweaty man slapping meat um and it's my favorite quote to describe the wrestling world what is wrestling it's two big sweaty men slapping meat um, that's, I think that's the perfect description. And it also generates like this intrigue, like, whoa, that, that's weird. Like it makes you laugh and makes you, you know, that's what I want to do. I want this to, you know, be fun and engaging. Um, 
So a little bit about me. I used to have an, another wrestling podcast known as the Unhinged Wrestling Podcast. And I really forced myself to try to play a character in that podcast. I, I still went by my name. It wasn't like... A, but I was sort of trying to force myself to be a character of the super like unhinged dude who wanted to just do edgy wrestling takes just for the sake of having wrestling edgy takes and it didn't take off um it it uh, it just it didn't work as you could figure out why because people don't want to see people a lot of people can see through you know edgy wrestling takes for the sake of edgy wrestling takes um I, I got rid of it. You probably can't even find it anymore because I canceled the uh, account that it was on. I just, I got real bogged down. I'll talk about my story with wrestling, and, and I really just didn't feel like watching it at a certain point anymore. Um, so we'll actually transition into my story with wrestling. So I sort of grew up in wrestling in terms of watching it. You know, uh, I, I was born in 1997. Uh, about four months before the Montreal screw job, I was born, right? July is my birth month. Uh, Bret Hart was the world champion the day I was born. He wouldn't remain champion for much longer. Um, but, um, continue on. Uh, I don't really necessarily remember starting to watch wrestling or like memories of watching wrestling until I was about five or six, which would put me around, you know, put it around 2002, 2003 stone cold was just leaving. He was my dad's favorite. The rock was on his way out as well. You know, just, you know, put yourself in that situation. So I, you know, we didn't watch, we watched maybe raw or SmackDown, but we didn't watch the pay-per-views couldn't afford them. Um, and so I wasn't, I wouldn't call myself like a big fan. And then I really just sort of, you know, I played the video games and I really just stopped watching wrestling around 2005-ish, if, if, if I can recall correctly. And I didn't watch wrestling for nine years. So from 2005 to 2014, I didn't watch about it watch it I didn't think about it I didn't like I played the video games and that was the only thing I really had to reference WWE was the video games because I just didn't watch it um and then 2014 I was in high school and there was a kid in my class who was a big WWE fan at the time um big CM Punk fan um, there was another kid that was a big John Cena fan, so we, they would talk wrestling a lot in our like little group circles before school started in the morning, and it sort of got me back into wrestling in uh, 2014, my first pay-per-view back into wrestling, like my first show back into wrestling was Royal Rumble 2014. Now, if anybody knows anything about this event... This is CM Punk's last pay-per-view in WWE. It was the first pay-per-view I had ever watched in my life as a for WWE. Um, it was also the last Royal Rumble before the network came out um, that you had to pay, you know, $60 for. My dad, you know, begrudgingly allowed us to watch it. I invited my friend over. We watched Royal Rumble. It, uh... 
it was a, you know, I don't remember much about that show, to be honest with you. Um, I'm not the type of fan that tries to sit here and, like, I can't recall matches off the split, off the split. Like, there are going to be wrestling fans who have better knowledge and better memory of wrestling events than I do. If you ask me what the main event of, you know, the September pay-per-view of 2014, I'm not going to know because I don't even know what the September pay-per-view in 2014 was. I just don't remember it. I sort of just sort of, I watch to be entertain, entertained, right? I don't take it as, you know, serious sport. But anyway, continuing, the next pay-per-view we got together and watched was WrestleMania of that year. That was WrestleMania 30. Um, in my mind, this is just my opinion, because this was sort of the first WrestleMania I ever watched, I was really big on Daniel Bryan coming, you know, as a character. Um... I, to me, that is, in my opinion, the best WrestleMania, I don't want to say of all time, because I think that's sacrilegious, I don't even know how to speak this morning, Um, I, I, I think it's hard to say it's the best WrestleMania of all time, but it's the best that I have ever watched, I'll just put it that way. From WrestleMania 30 all the way to the last WrestleMania 38, I've watched all the WrestleManias, live at in some capacity right they were live either on tv or like in the example of wrestlemania 33 in uh orlando florida where i was there live um i've so wrestlemania 33 has a different aspect to me because it was the first wrestlemania i've ever seen in person so i'm a little bit more biased towards that i definitely don't think it's one of the best i think 30 is still better but considering what happened at 32 the year before, and then really, the sh- you know, that was a shit show in 32, and 34 wasn't much better. I think 33 stands up. If you go from like 30 to 38, which is the period that I want, I think 33 is the second best, with 30 being the first best. 38's very, very, very close. This year's WrestleMania was fucking fantastic, in my opinion. But I'm a little bit more biased towards 33. It's hard to move them from the second spot. I I loved 38. Let's get into my philosophy in wrestling. I really think I would have been better in the 80s as a wrestling fan. Because I love the 80s style. I'll go back and watch some 80s matches every now and then. And I just love the way the match flows. Right. So my biggest issue. So we'll go ahead and talk about things I don't like in the wrestling world. My biggest issue with the wrestling style today. I have two. There's two issues that I hate. Is one, the matches are so fast-paced, it doesn't give the crowd any time to sort of recover from match to match. I don't mind seeing, and I'll use them, the thing I don't like in wrestling, the Young Bucks. And I'll, I'll use them, I'll critique them until I die. I don't like the Young Bucks. I Same with Omega. I think they're both overrated. Um, but, you know... The Young Bucks match are the same match every time they get in the ring. It's fast-paced, 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 right? And if you have eight matches on the card, I've, I've gone to indie shows where, you know, the first match I enjoyed, high energy, and every match after that was also high energy. And, you know, for me, I'm mentally exhausted halfway through the show. And, and, and so for me, I, 80s-style wrestling was 
It was all about ring psychology. It was all about telling an actual story in the ring. It was larger-than-life characters. It wasn't, you know, just guys trying to cosplay. For me, I really do. Like, I, people take the quote um, in the intro that Biggie said, Big Sweaty Men Slapping Meat, the name of this podcast. People take that as a joke, and it is a joke, but it's literally the style of wrestling that I like. I like larger-than-life men who beat the shit out of each other, right? I don't, I don't like watching wrestling on television and seeing people who are, you know, five foot 11, 110 pounds wet and going out there and thinking that they're like superior athletes to, you know, a guy that's six, four, two played football and the, and there's little small runs going out there and, and, you want me to think he's a more superior athlete when he, you know, if I, if I wanted to see guys with dad bods and somewhat of a, and some level of flexibility fight, I'd go to the bar on Friday night. Right. So my biggest thing is I think the size factor is different. The speed of the event, you have eight super high intense matches, at least for me as a fan, I'm mentally exhausted by the third or fourth match. There's no real time to really calm down, and it's it, and so you have fans who just sit there. Like I've seen it at live events, and I hate to pick on AEW early, but I've been to AEW events where you know you have fans on their phones after three or four matches, and then they finally get like this little break where it's still a high intense match, but they don't really care, so they go on their phone and they just try to relax from because it's super high paced. That right, and WWE does the same thing in some of their matches. Super high-paced. And the second big thing I hate, other than the pacing of the matches, um, is I feel everyone is trying to one-up one each other. And so, a lot of matches, and again, I hate to call out AEW, but it's the ROH, AEW, New Japan style that really changed the wrestling world in 2005. um, That... In my opinion, this is just my opinion, that style of wrestling ruined the business. This is just my opinion. Because what hap- what has happened is you have people who, uh, all it does is it creates the, the want to, to do bigger and better high spots, more dangerous hit, uh, spots, and it, to me, it diminishes the the story in the ring right you know why we were the people in the 80s were meant to believe that if hogan hit the leg drop it was because it was it was special but nowadays their their special finisher you know with baron corbin right we were taught to believe that the end of days was the most dangerous finisher in the because it went years without being kicked out it went it lasted until what rest this year's wrestlemania was the first time it had ever been kicked out for years he wrestled did the end of days that no one has ever kicked out of the end of days i don't even remember who he fought who did he wrestle i don't even remember this is how little i remember things about <laughs> uh, but it got kicked out and it was a big moment, right? 
the first right, right but now you have guys running around doing super kicks you have guys going around doing high spots you have guys doing finishing move 18 times in a match right the only time i really feel that that's acceptable is in someone like Brock Lesnar where that's literally his 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 move his move set is you know written on his t-shirts you know suplex 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 f5 pin repeat go home right and and, and and so that's Brock's style. But and for the most part, especially when Brock is like in that dominant run when he returned and Suplex City started, if you got suple- went to Suplex City, you didn't you didn't kick out of it. Right? So I really feel like the protection of a lot of these moves just went away and now everyone's trying to do more dangerous high spots, which I feel are, are completely unnecessary. Um to the actual match itself. If you're not going to win by this high spot, that more danger, right? And so you got guys going out on the first match on a card and doing these high spots, and everyone else wants to follow up behind them. And to me, I think it ruins the product. That's just my opinion. Um, so, you know, what do I do like in wrestling? I like FTR style. They're like one of my favorite modern wrestling tag teams but it's not just you know the 80s style that I want to brought back I want wrestling to tell a story and to be entertaining and not to be presented as if you know we're some sort of sport where records wins and losses don't matter in professional wrestling it's scripted right I want fans to go back and remember you know the days of early WWE where it was all story. Is creative bad for both companies? Multiple, all companies, I think, have bad creative. But I, what I want is the ability to ha- create star power. And I don't think the fans want people to, to create star power because the fans only want what the fans want. And, 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 and so, you know, they want to push people who cannot get over with the modern I promise you I promise you Kenny Omega will not get over with a mainstream casual fan audience Vince Russo is my favorite booker of all time and that's going to like diminish me to the lower lowest pits of wrestling hell with with the, the hardcore wrestling fan he's my favorite booker of all time there's some things he says that I disagree with uh, on his wrestling takes um but I think he was a, a genius booking in the in the Attitude Era because his philosophy, and again, you wouldn't know this unless you read his books because everybody else who either writes books about him or does podcasts about him, uh, they always talk from this sort of biased standpoint of Vince Russo ruined WCW. He's the worst thing that ever happened in wrestling. And unless you really read the words from, read the story from and get his perspective, you really don't have a full story. And, 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 and I tend to believe Vince Russo and the way he tells his story. Um, the way he booked during the Attitude Era for WWE is he didn't compare his product and his ratings to WCW. He compared the product and the ratings that he was doing to all the other shows on Monday night. You had Everybody Loves Raymond. You had um, you know Seinfeld. You had all of these big sitcoms that the casual channel flipper American, he recognized wrestling as the niche cliche that it is, right? It's a niche, right? You have 
I mean, I don't even know the population at this time, but I'll use moderate numbers. You have 330 million Americans in, in this country, right? About 330 million people in this country. We have about, th- I'll, g- I'll give a very, very, cons- uh, excuse me, very, very liberal number on this. Very, very exaggerated number. Let's just say we have 3 million people in America. That's 1% of the population, in America that watches wrestling on a week-to-week basis. It's very niche. I would say it's a, it was a little bit more mainstream during the Attitude Era, uh, but let's just say even you had 200 million people in 1998 or whatever, and you know maybe only 5, 10 million people watched. It was still very niche. It was one, you know, it, it didn't ex- exceed over 5% of the population at any point. And it's in the history of the business. It was very niche. It was very, um, you know, you had to be a fan to watch it on TV. And to the point that a lot of networks didn't even want the product because they didn't think it would produce ratings and bring in money. Um, the Attitude Era, I am 100% convinced, saved wrestling on TV. Had the Attitude Era... And the NWO and WCW, had that not happened, had the Monday Night Wars not happened, I am thoroughly convinced we would not have wrestling on TV. It just didn't produce the numbers that I think to be sustainable. And I really think, at, 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 you know, we're living off of that success still, you know, 20, almost 30 years later because of the attitude era. Like we're still feeling the ramifications that the fact that it's still on TV. I, I personally believe that wrestling will be a streaming only platform in five to 10 years because one, I think cable goes away. Um, it's evolving, but even if cable or, you know, TV, as we know, it doesn't go away. Um, I just don't think channels are going to want to, continue to put on a product that only gets you know raw gets a million nxt gets like six hundred thousand i just don't think there's that need eventually you're going to get to the point to where you're going to have shows that need time on tv that get better ratings and i think wrestling eventually will be seen as the niche market that it actually is um but anyway right vince russo he said you know I looked at our ratings against Seinfeld, and I was like, well, how do we beat Seinfeld? Because if we can get the people who watch Seinfeld and Cosby and and Everybody Loves Raymond on Monday nights, if we can get them to flip the channel to Monday Night Raw, that's the victory, right? We don't need to beat WCW. We need to beat Everybody Loves Raymond. He thought big picture. How do we get past Everybody Loves Raymond, who was bringing in, you know, 10, 15, 20 million viewers? Uh, right? I don't know the ratings, but, you know, it was way higher than what Monday Night Raw was getting. And so that's how he tried to design his show. And was it messy and a little bit, you know disorganized did he throw shit at the wall that didn't work and remove it weeks later yeah i mean he was but i think that's just that to me that's long-term storytelling doesn't exist in wrestling i know fans want to believe it does but long-term storytelling does not exist in wrestling let me give you an example because everyone wants to say like the omega 
Um, Hangman Page story is still going on. No, it's not. It ended. And it, it the, in the two years between the, when they you know split up and they finally had the title match, that's not long-term storytelling because there was no story to tell because both of them weren't telling the story, right? Omega was doing his own other story as world champion, right? It's a different chapter in the story, right? If Omega comes back from his injury and, and goes after Hangman Page, it's not the same story. It's a different chapter in their story, but it's not the same story. The story's still not ongoing because if that's the logic that you're going to use, well, then technically a wrestling story never ends. Austin Rock is still going on, right? I've heard, I heard that uh, proposed about this question on TikTok, which I am on if y'all want to follow me on TikTok at Randall Beatley. I will th- greatly appreciate it. I do mostly wrestling content. Some other stuff I post on there as well. Um, at Randall Beatley on TikTok. Go get me to a thousand followers. That way I can start doing lives and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so now you get a little bit about me, the name, who, what, what I like in wrestling. Um, I'm, I'm not going to tell you like my, my favorites. That's a whole other episode, like my top fives and stuff like that. Um, we're going to review Money in the Bank. And there's not a lot to review. Um... I went into this show really only concerned about the two Money in the Bank matches. I don't like Money in the Bank as a standalone pay-per-view. First off, it's always been treated as a transitional pay-per-view to transition you basically from the wrap-up of WrestleMania to the beginning of, you know, and, and telling new stories to transition you into SummerSlam. The summer in WWE is always slow and boring and transitionary. That's just how I've always felt it since, you know, I came back and watched it. You know, Payback, Extreme Rules, Money in the Bank. They've always felt like transitionary pay-per-views from WrestleMania to SummerSlam. And then in between SummerSlam to Survivor Series, the pay-per-views in between. They always felt transitionary. To me, it's sort of like you have your big quarterly pay-per-views, Royal Rumble, Mania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series, and all the pay-per-views in between those always just felt very transitionary, but the the gimmick pay-per-views the most bothered me, or the ones that bothered me the most. The, you know, Money in the Bank, um, Extreme Rules, TLC, Hell in a Cell, you know, pay-per-views that were based off of matches, and especially now in the sort of PG era where you're not allowed to actually bleed and stuff i just feel that we need to get rid of those matches not the matches but the pay-per-views um i really feel wwe should go back to only should go to only doing four pay-per-views a year mania rumble um SummerSlam, and survivor series and 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 try to just you know in the months in between you know tell a story that that can get us from pay-per-view to pay-per-view, four pay-per-views a year. I, I just feel it would make the shows mean more. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to think that that works for AEW. That's one of the, the pluses I'll give AEW is they only do like four pay-per-views a year. Um, and then they do a bunch of, you know, special program TV, you know, like Blood and Guts and stuff like that on uh, TV and to give you that more 
per you know special event feel without really having to make you you know ha- sit and watch a four hour pay per view every month. Um, plus, I think WWE could really benefit from having stretched out storylines that instead of you know having a storyline only last a month or two months. You know, for you know, allowing it to breathe and, and to grow out into a three-month story, I think would benefit the company. This is my opinion. I also think there's too much wrestling, and too much of anything, even a good thing, is a bad thing, because it bogs down. Like, like on a good day, like if if you're a good wrestling fan and you watch everything, right? Raw on Monday. You also have what uh, Dark Evolution on Monday, Evolution, Elevation, whatever the hell the fucking program's called. The YouTube show, isn't that also? I think that's on Monday or Tuesday. You have NXT on Tuesday. You have Dynamite on Wednesday. You have um, Impact. If you get Impact on Thursday, you can watch Impact on Thursday. You have SmackDown and Rampage on Friday. You have um, I'm pretty sure New Japan comes on on Saturdays on Access TV if I remember correctly. Right, and so you could, t- and then Sundays, if you have a pay-per-view that week that's on Sunday or Saturday, you have that as well. So you could sit there, and there's just way too much. You can, MLW, I think, is on TV if you have their channel. Um, I don't know if NWA is still posting shows on YouTube, but they, they at one point, like you could literally watch like eight or nine hour plus long shows. Like that's way too much time wasted watching wrestling, in my opinion. I'm not that big of a fan to sit there and watch everything. I'm not. I'm I'm be honest with you, I'm gonna pick what I like, and I like WWE. I I like AEW's product. It's getting better on me. It's 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 growing on me. I wish I could watch Impact because I've heard they've done some really good things, but I want to be able to watch the weekly television shows, not just the pay per views. Um, and I don't get access to Access TV because YouTube TV doesn't allow it. So you know maybe we start petition that petitioning that again. Because um, I really would like to watch that. Um, but outside of that, I'm not a fan of New Japan. I'm not a fan of, you know, the old Ring of Honor. Maybe it'll get better now that AEW's in control of it. I just I was just, just not a fan of it. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, like, plan my week. Hey, I got 18 hours of wrestling to watch this week. Everything else is going to have to... No, that's not, how I'm, that's not how I plan my time. I just think that's a waste of time, in my opinion. Um, this is too much, and it bogs everything down. Um, uh, and then don't forget, you got people who do watch 18 hours on live TV, and then go to every week and go to an indie show. Like, there's just way too much wrestling that people want to watch. If you want to watch it, if that's what's fun, watch it. But for me, like that, it, it weighs me down. Like that's part of the reason why, you know, around the pandemic era. It just got boring to me. And it was because, you know, I felt that I had to watch everything to, you know, because there's so much toxicity in the online wrestling community where you're not a good wrestling fan if you don't watch everything. And I just got tired of, of watching wrestling in general. I felt the product was going downhill. I felt that the, the online wrestling community was, and I still to this day, I don't blame Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon's been fucking doing this shit since 1984 taking over his dad's company I think Vince McMahon has a lot more experience and a lot more knowledge on how to book an entertainment show than the marks online think that 
You know, even than me. Like, you know, I like the fantasy book. And I'm not saying you can't complain about it or even critique the product. Because I'll critique the product. But everyone wants to say, like, oh, McMahon's lost his way. No, he hasn't. McMahon hasn't lost his way. He's doing the same shit he's been doing since the 80s. Right? The problem is, and this is where I'll end my rant here. The problem is, is fans today want to see in-ring wrestling. And that's all they want. And this is where I'll come back and say, well, that is because Ring of Honor, New Japan, now AEW, they all presented wrestling as if the only thing that matters in wrestling is the in-ring ability. They all presented their shows as wrestling shows. That none of the entertainment aspect mattered. You didn't have to be a good talker. You didn't have to be a good seller or a good storyteller. Moves didn't matter. You could stiff You could stiff people. You could sandbag people. All of that didn't matter. Because all that matters was your, your work rate ability. Can you do, right? And so, like, the complaining with Roman Reigns not, right? In the 80s, no one would complain about Roman Reigns not being there every week. Right? Because it wasn't about work rate on the TV show. It was about telling the story. So what's the story Roman Reigns is telling? No one deserves to have a match with me because I've beaten everybody on the roster. No one deserves because all of them have been cast away from the island of relevancy, I am the head of the table, and it's the only way you can tell this story to get him to face The Rock. Because the only person of, of relevance in WWE that he has not beaten yet is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. That would make sense. Like You could throw Stone Cold in a match here, but that wouldn't make sense, right? Because none of that really matters, right? The only logical thing is to have him face Rock, beat Rock, right? And then now he's the actual head of the table. And then, you know, have someone, you know, Roman Reigns is now the biggest star in the company according to his wins, right? He's beaten Cena. He's beaten, you know, all of these guys. Hasn't been pinned since 2019. You have him beat Rock in 2023 WrestleMania. And, you know, and then you have Cody Rhodes, Theory, whoever you want to be the next star, pin him, you know, maybe at SummerSlam next year. Or cash in and beat and win the championship. Right? I want this to play out till WrestleMania next year. Have him be the champion coming in against Rock and retain the titles and then, you know, keep him till SummerSlam next year and then have him lose it there. And then Roman Reigns can ride off into the sunset, go to Hollywood like I think he wants to. And you could, in the meantime, and this is another thing I liked about Russo, is Russo understood... You only have about five main eventers at a time on your card. You can't build your show around your main event. You can't build your show around the world title. You have to make that strong, of course. But you have to 
at the same time create competitors that are believable in the mid-card to challenge for the world title. And I think WWE has been doing that with Roman having time off. You know, they've been really focusing on the mid-card. So you, now you have Theory. They were really building Cody before his his injury. Rollins has been built. Lashley has been built. Right? They're building, I mean, even Drew. Right? They're building characters, building people to be competition to Roman Reigns. Right? That's what they're doing. That's the story they're telling. And you have to build the mid-card to feed to... The up right, and that's how you create stars, right? Theory, I think they've done very well pushing Theory and adding him as you know new money in the bank. We'll talk about money in the bank here now. Um, so that's you know, like I said, the only thing I really cared about going into this is the two money in the bank matches. Like I said, it's transitionary. I didn't think the other matches were going that anything was going to happen. Bianca retained like I thought she would. Usos retained like I knew they would. Um. Having Theory lose the belt to Lashley was confusing to me, but with the result we got out of it, now it makes sense. Um, Ronda beating Natalia was probably the easiest match to predict. It was also the easiest match to predict that that was where the cash-in was going to happen. Especially when they started the show and the women started the show, I already knew in my mind a cash-in was happening. And that's probably going to be the gimmick forever for the women's Money in the Bank winner is um, you're going to win, you're going to cash in within 24 hours, which is shitty. They should just get rid of the... the, the there's, a, there's a creator on TikTok. Um, I think his username is Cody, C-O-D-Y Wrestling. A lot, he gets a lot of shit, but he's very smart. Um, and people take a lot of his shit out of context. But he basically made an entire video... Saying, you know, this is going to be the stick, get rid of the women's money in the bank. And I absolutely agree with that. If you're just going to have them win and cash in on the same night or the night after, just get rid of the damn briefcase. Get rid of the match that's not needed. Just say, hey, we're going to put someone else on the title defense. Like, instead of having Ronda face Natalia, why, why would it not have been easier just to have Liv be the competitor and win? Rather than doing the whole money in the bank shtick. I mean, it's easier to, to believe that Liv could be a beaten up Ronda. Like, Ronda had to have lost and been hurt and injured for, right? But anyway, let's move on. So, the women's match. I thought, first off, Shotzi needs to go back to the performance center and learn just a little bit more. She's not there yet. And, I mean, she's mid-card. It's not going to hurt her to disappear off of SmackDown for a month or two. Just to, I don't know if it was nerves or what it was, but there was a lot of botches. I'm not going to just blame her because there were botches all over the place in this match. Um, but she definitely, in my opinion, hurt her stock of being considered a serious threat. Um, and I, she needs some work. She needs some work. Um I think the right decision was to give it to Liv. She was the only one that needed the briefcase, in my opinion. They're just rebuilding Lacey. She didn't need this run at the at the moment. Raquel's going to get over just by her booking. With, didn't need the briefcase. Alexa, um, I honestly don't actually think Alexa's 
in my opinion, in this gimmick is all that good. I want old, you know, pre-fiend Alexa Bliss back. We need her back. And then I'll take it seriously. Asuka, of course, wasn't going to win. And Becky was who I thought was going to win. And thank God she didn't because she did not need another title run. Liv was the only one that needed this. She won. Congratulations. Right? We're not even going to talk about any of the other matches because it's like, oh, this is expected, right? Of As expected, the Usos versus Street Profit was match of the night. Right? Um, so, let's just go ahead and, and talk. Okay, so Liv Morgan cashes in after Ronda beats Natalia. She cashes in. And I knew a cash-in was happening. One... I knew Liv was going to win. Here's my one critique about Liv Morgan. She cries a lot. And, and she really needs to work on this. Because she gave away the Money in the Bank match. Because she was doing her entrance. And she was going into the ring. And she was crying already. Like she had just been told, you know, eight minutes ago. Or prior to the show, hey, you're going to win. Right? And I understand it's a big moment for her. Like, she's put in work for like the last five to eight years. I don't even know how long she's been on the roster. I feel like it's been like eight years that she's put in work, you know, and her NXT gimmick sucked. I did not like the gimmick itself. The character she was playing sucked, but she got moved up to the main roster. And, you know, I've always been a fan of hers because I thought that she, she had that potential. She had that it factor. And I really think the reason her character sucked was because we already had Carmella playing the same exact character. Um, and so, she then gets put into the Riot Squad, and, you know, she's the only one still on the roster from the Riot Squad, and, you know, Sarah Logan, I think, ended up getting hurt, or Ruby got hurt, one of the two, and, and you know, that so that hurt whatever push they were getting there, and I felt like she was always the odd one out in, in, in that group anyway, and, you know, she'd been putting in work, getting better, getting better, you could see the improvement, and then she gets this main run push by herself. And they just keep teasing that she's going to win it. And she doesn't. And now she does. Thank God now she does, right? So now she cashes in. Hands the briefcase. The bell w rings. Makes it official. And she goes for a kick. And the leg gets caught. And I'm like, they're going to fucking piss off a whole lot of people if Ronda wins this cash in. Um, Liv kicks Ronda's injured knee. From the match, you know, roll-up pin. It was a little sloppy of a roll-up. I don't know if it was Liv or Ronda. I'm going to blame both of them. It looked a little sloppy um, of a roll-up. And um, one, two, three, Liv Morgan's now your SmackDown Women's Champion. Now, WWE, I'm going to give you a warning. If you made Liv Morgan champion just so that Charlotte can re-debut... And squash Liv Morgan. <laughs> oh, you're going to piss off everybody. Charlotte does not need to be anywhere near the title picture right now. I would be fine with Bailey, But can Liv have a title run? Because for, for these transitional champions, when Charlotte wants to take time off, so you have to put the belt on someone else, for these transitionary champions, right... It seems like, oh, we got a champion. They don't have a really good run. And then Charlotte comes back, and then they give Charlotte the belt, and then she has a run. Can Liv, you know, Liv has put in work. Liv has gotten over. She's the most over woman on the damn, 
on the damn roster. I'm a thousand percent convinced Liv Morgan is the most over woman on the roster. And she did it organically. Despite of what her booking had her. She's still the most over woman on the roster. Give her her run. Give her her due. She's not going to be no superstar, movie star. I know she's about to film a movie. But Liv Morgan isn't going to be John Cena or the right. WWE's fear is that someone is going to get over by themselves and then jump ship to Hollywood like Cena and Rock and Batista did. You don't have anyone on the roster that's a name other than Roman Reigns, in my opinion, who could do that. I don't think anyone on your roster other than Roman Reigns can transition to Hollywood and get over. You know, you have the Miz, but Miz... Miz's sort of Hollywood status really depends on him being in WWE. I don't think he'll ever leave WWE. Um, and I don't think Liv Morgan is going to be that person that'll, you know, make a transition to Hollywood and, you know, be an A-list actor or actress. I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's anyone on the roster that could do that. I really don't. Um... Let Liv have her run. Now, this men's money in the bank. Now, here's the thing. When you have when Adam Pierce came out there, I knew some bullshit was about to happen. And I was like, Adam, shut the fuck like, get get, the, get off the screen. Like, start the match. Then they add theory. Now, here's my thing that I hated about this. It was easily predictable at that point that theory was going to win the money in the bank. Easily predictable that theory was going to win the money in the bank when they add him. Right, and so he comes out. Yeah, it was your standard ladder match, battle royal type thing like this, right? Not battle royal, but you know, standard money in the bank match. You know, um, there's there's actually I don't know if you guys catch on to this, but there's typically a theme that I pick up on 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 money in the bank matches is that it looks like the you know. They, it's this is how they set up their feuds after WWE or excuse me, after Money in the Bank, right? This is how they set up their feuds in the divisions, right? So you have, you know, like Sheamus and Drew are probably going to do something. I really feel they're going to make them a tag team um, at some point. Um, this is looking like the bar reinvented about to happen, um, and 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 so they set up a lot of the feuds being created in this Money in the Bank match and depending on who fights who, right? Um, and so there's two reasons why they would make Theory Money in the Bank. One, they really feel he's the next star and he's going to cash in and beat Roman Reigns. Or I have a, a different way to map that out that doesn't have Roman... Because to me, Theory isn't necessarily over like booked properly. It would make Roman look super fucking weak. If he lost to Theory, in my opinion, and ruined the entire run that Roman has had, in my opinion. Um, or two, they didn't want to ruin Riddle. They didn't want to ruin Rollins. They didn't want to ruin any of the other guys. And, and Theory would be the best to cash in and lose and be able to rebound. Uh, and, and Theory's rocket strapped. Like they strapped the rocket to his back, and he's going to the moon. Um. Now, how would I book this out? Um, to me, it's real simple. Cena comes on Monday Night Raw, challenges Theory to a match at SummerSlam. The, the stipulation being winner keeps the money in the bank match. 
Cena wins that match. Um, Cena then cashes in in the main event and wins the title, gives him his 17th world title. You can stop, you know, you can give him that record finally, and that way you don't have to mention Ric Flair ever again because you really, you really know that they don't want to. They've done the best they can to distance themselves from Ric Flair. Um, that accomplishes that. And then you have Cena hold on, you know, even if it's just, you know, till Survivor Series, I would prefer a Royal Rumble, have Theory win the belt from Cena, and then, you know, at Rumble, Cody Rhodes comes back, wins money, uh, Royal Rumble, and then you can have Theory versus Cody Rhodes, which are going to be the two stars of the company, battle for the unified WWE champion, whatever they want to call it. Um, and Roman Reigns can ride off into the sunset, have his match with The Rock, um, if, if they still want to go that direction, and then ride off into the sunset, go Hollywood, do whatever he wants. We don't need to see Roman Reigns again. It's not that I hate Roman Reigns. He's my favorite character in WWE, but we all know he's leaving when this title runs over. Like, I think that's common knowledge, in my opinion. Right? So, overall, Money in the Bank wasn't bad. I definitely think it wasn't as good as it should have been. It's just a transition. It's just the, the name of the game. And so if you're disappointed with it, you just don't understand WWE. It's a transitionary uh, pay-per-view to get you to SummerSlam. Um, I'm ready for this build, though. Uh, you know, the matches I'm interested in, McAfee versus Corbin. Corbin attacked McAfee at the end of the – when the broadcast went off air, right, Corbin came out and attacked McAfee. So that's looking like a match we're going to get. We're going to get Miz versus Logan Paul, which I don't care what you think about that match. That's going to be a fucking... Uh, I'm interested in it. It's going to bring fans to the product. It's going to bring eyes to the, to the, to the TV. and It's going to bring uh, uh, butts in seats. We're going to get Brock and Roman. We're going to get McAfee and Corbin. We're going to get Miz and Logan Paul. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll they'll set out the mid-card. Right? We'll probably... You'll probably get Theory and Cena in some capacity. Um, who knows? And this is going to be very interesting. Though, Cena does have a, uh, a, you know, Cena, if you look at some of Cena's sort of feuds, you know, he's sort of like Mr. America, and he always feuds with, like, he feuded with Rusev, like the angry anti-American guy. Right, Gunther could be Cena's opponent for the IC Championship. Give Cena a run, just to say he won it, so he can be a Grand Slam. But Cena deserves to be a Grand Slam champion before he gets put in the Hall of Fame. This is my opinion. Um, I thought this was a fun episode. What did you guys think? Uh, like, go like me on or follow me on TikTok at Randall Beatley. Um. You know, share this podcast with everyone in, in your wrestling circle. Let's try to make the Slapping Meat podcast something good and beneficial. Thank you guys for listening. I will see you on the next episode of the Slapping Meat Wrestling Podcast. <laughs>